Reckless. Yeah, Reggie the Reckless. Who was that? His brother? He was hanging out with. Uh, what was his name? Was Demon. Like a, Demon. Yeah, it was like his brother and his and his girlfriend in a van. Yeah, and, yeah. The, the killer wasn't Jason. The killer was some disgruntled ambulance driver. Yeah, it ended up being a doctor. Yeah, I totally, yeah, yeah. I totally am not remembering any of this shit. Yeah, it was a doctor. That's so um, weird. So yeah, it was an imposter, right? The imposter Jason, so, and he had the blue swatches under his goalie mask. Right. Yeah. It was, it was funny oh, because... Oh, yeah, no, it's coming. Yeah, all right, it's coming. Because Friday the 13th yeah. was supposed to end at part four. Yeah. But it just made so much money, they just kept going and going and going. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and then nope, six nope, is nope, when nope. he's the zombie. That's my favorite. Yeah, I'm... Because I'm, he's just this unstoppable force. I'm a part three guy myself. Part three is good. The part 3D. two is probably near my least favorite. Yeah. I don't like Jason in a knapsack. I don't know about Jason X. Jason X was stupid, man. Jason X was interesting. Yeah. It was I, just so How he got turned into, like, Uber Jason X yeah. got turned into a robot and shit. I don't hey, get down that, on seven either. That fucking kill? Oh, that kill was great. The one Which with that one? where she smacked, well, with the face. With, yeah, with, with the, the uh, liquid, puts her, liquid he nitrogen. Puts her, yeah, liquid yeah, they just smacked. Yeah, that That's was pretty cool. hard. Yep. That was crazy, man. See, yeah, I guess being such a big fan of it, it's hard for me to like the new remake. Mm-hmm. Because they turned him more into, like, Michael Myers. Yeah. Because Jason was that guy who was like, I'm coming after you. I don't fucking care. I'm going to kill you. Yeah. And then the new one, he was more strategic and methodical. And he, like, like kidnapped people. Right. I mean, it, it wasn't bad as a movie, mm-hmm. but it's not Jason. No. Which is why people hate Rob Zombie's Halloween, mm-hmm. because they made Michael I Myers Jason. I despise that. Really? You despise like that him. thinking or those movies? I don't like those movies. Okay. So, so let, me, let me get you on this one. Okay, so, go ahead. What you have to do to understand and appreciate rob zombies halloween is you have to watch the first six halloween movies and then immediately watch rob zombies 2 rob zombies 2 movies are not a remake they're a fan flick of the best scenes from the first six halloween movies but you have a backstory though it's not a backstory it's rob zombie going of course you do you have a backstory he he gives his own backstory yeah. yeah and i don't like that See, I guess for me, Dude. I love the violence. Like, yeah. Halloween 2, to me, is top five most disturbing film I've ever seen. Why? With how, with how bloody and just violent yeah. it is. Yeah. I, I, that movie, I remember when I watched it, I was shocked. See, Hellraiser yeah. 2, like, you know, you want to go sequels? Hellraiser 2, which because Hellraiser is kind of like my pet nerd movie that I just worship. Every, I mean, every single, even the bad ones I love, right? Uh, Hellraiser 2, to me, is the same thing. It's one of the bloodiest things I've ever oh, seen yeah. as far as a horror movie. It, and it's disturbing. It's just, it's messed up on so many levels, too. You know, to me, like, horror, and we were talking about this on the porch earlier, Brad. Uh, to me, horror, you know, I guess the horror that I like a lot more now, because I'm older and I don't have the stomach for all the blood, gut, and gore and stuff like that, is the, the movies that really kind of get in my head, Right. Uh, psychological and, yeah well yeah. yeah but but hellraiser you know part two which is pushing 30 years old now mm-hmm. um it was a very very bloody movie let's be clear about yeah. that i'm sure most of you people out there listening ha- have seen the film but there was something just about the movie mentally to me uh, that just bothered the hell out of me it still bothers me well there's that How scene pe- where like her uncle's like trapped in the hell thing that's like his it, hell. It yeah. flashes to him, and he's in like the the bathroom, like let me out of here. Or oh, yeah, I'm stuck there's in just hell a lot of weird wall. stuff about that it's movie. All skinned. Yeah. So I mean, but yeah, 
Well, that movie, yeah, it really is one of the bloodiest things I've ever seen in Hollywood. Um, as far as a major flick's concerned, too, uh, it's, a, it's one that gets under your skin. Right. Hey, guys. This is Ghostly Talking. I'm Scott L. Hi, Scott. Hi. Hey. We just kind of just let the tape roll here. <laughs> I don't know how long. I don't know where we're going to end up at here. But this is uh, Welcome. Thank you for listening. I got the boys here tonight. It's boys' night here boys on night. Ghostly Talk. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Neighbor Brad's here. Mr. Fugate's here. You've been here a million times now. This is the fourth. This is the is fourth entry. Fourth? Yeah, yeah. yeah, something like so that. So by the, the Friday the 13th logic, this is when the little boy's going to cut his hair to look like me and come in and hatch right, it right. out. Right, of course, of course. <laughs> die, die. Yeah. You, you mentioned, I, wanna, I, I do want to talk about this for a second. Uh, you mentioned Rob Zombie. And yeah, I don't like his Halloween films in any way whatsoever. I did see Three from Hell this past week. Rest in peace, sitting. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, real bummer. Anybody who's listened to Ghostly Talk for any amount of years knows that uh, we had some pretty interesting adventures with Sid Haig. And getting that news, I knew, and a lot of us knew, and I went and saw Three from Hell, as I said, with my sister uh, last week. And we all knew that Sid wasn't doing too well. Sid hasn't been doing too well for a very long time. And unfortunately, um, Sid passed on, I believe it was the 21st. Yeah, uh, something like I that. think that's right. Yeah. Um, so I did want to, I did want to mention that because Sid, Sid was very nice to us. He was really good to, to us here at Ghostly Talk. Let me give a, a, a plug real quick. Yeah, a go Sid Haig plug. So a lot of people know him from the Rob Zombie films. Yeah. If, a lot of people have Amazon Prime. There's a yeah. movie on there called Spider Baby. Fantastic. It's, it's one of his first horror movies, and he's about 20 in it. Yeah. And he's very, uh, very creepy. That's was, I mean, we knew about Sid Haig. I'm one of the lucky ones, I guess. Yeah. We knew about Sid Haig before the Rob Zombie films. I'm really happy because Sid never really got his due. No. Fantastic actor. Amazing actor. He was a wonderful actor. He never really, in my opinion, got his due. Uh, and we saw Spider Baby. He was really cool in that. And then he showed up in House of a Thousand mm-hmm. Corpses. And that guy, that, you know how old that movie is now? Because, um, you know, I, Rob Zombie was recently just on Joe Rogan's podcast, and it's a really good interview. I'm going to be open here and say I'm not a big Rob Zombie fan. Um, I, I like a couple of his movies. I like his music a lot less. <laughs> yes, yeah, I've always been down with Rob Zombie's no. music. Have you yeah. heard the first two White Zombie albums? I love yes. those. The very you first, like them? I yeah. loved them. Yeah, you're the out of your mind. I like I White bought, and Rob. Very first album I ever bought was Los Exorcisto. Devil that's music the third album. one. That's well, that's to the, me, that's the first. That's one. That's the third one. There was there was I thought there was like the you know and I'm I'm, I'm going to totally just Wikipedia this. To me, there's two. Devil Music Volume 1, Astro Creep 2000. I don't know about yeah. any of the shit before that. Well, okay. Well, let me give you a little scholarship here without you having to go through the pain. <laughs> um, and, you all know, I mean, and I say this objectively. I'm sure Rob Zombie's a really cool guy. He seems like a pretty cool guy. I know if I ever was able to bump into the guy, I'm sure I'd sit down and have a beer with him. Be like, hey, dude, what's going on? However, uh... I'm trying to find him. Soul Crusher. Yeah, Soul Crusher was 1987, and Make Them Die Slowly was 1989. And I remember, I this is before I heard Soul Crusher. I got into the band in 89 when Make Them Die Slowly came out. And I do remember my first impression 
when I was reading the metal mag was, yeah, man, these guys look scummy as fuck. Yeah, I mean, they they, do. they are a bunch of these are a bunch of dirt bags, mm-hmm. and that's kind of how I, one of my rating systems I had for bands back then was how dirt bag looking are they, and if they really look like a bunch of dirt bags, they're gonna probably play really great music, oh, yeah. right? So I'm like, well, yeah, White Zombie looks, uh, you know, they look pretty scummy. <laughs> Let, let's check them out. That's still a measurement, right? Yeah. Well, that, it, it, yeah. That chat that we're in, we're always, you know, listen to this band. Look how scummy. Yeah, scummy we have our, little, yeah, we have our Facebook chat. Yeah. We talk about music on. And so I did buy Make Them Die Slowly on cassette in 1989. On the, you know, when it was on, they were originally, it was really originally released on Caroline, which was an independent label. And I'm, I'm really sorry to say this. That is probably one of my top 10, one of the worst things I've ever heard. What are you? What are you pointing at my Bathory banner for? I guess. I guess for me, Rob Zombie was kind of my. You talk any shit on this show? I'm gonna cut you. Off. I'm gonna edit you completely out. Rob Zombie yeah. was somewhat my entry into metal. Same. Like I started with Black Sabbath, and then you know I was a young kid. I was listening to MTV, and Dragula came on, and I loved that song. Mm-hmm. And I ended up buying that album, yeah, Hellbilly Deluxe, and loved it. That stuff's yep. great. That's good. That's rock and roll. It's, right. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. They really, and you know, and you know, it all kind of comes. It all kind of comes to a full circle now. Because yeah, hearing Rob Zombie talk about what they were back then when I heard "Make Them Die Slowly," he's like, "We didn't even know how to play." Yeah. We didn't even know how to play, right? And I'm, and I, I'd like to think that if he was sitting here right now and I said, "Dude, that's one of the worst albums I've ever heard," he would laugh about it. And go like, "Yeah, you're right. It's a total piece of shit." Mm-hmm. They got and they. But, you know, like, I think a lot of great artists, and that's, and, I, and I'm going to say this about him, a lot of great artists, yeah, you take baby steps, you have those fall downs, you make those mistakes, and then you you write an album like Lost Exorcisto, which that song, what, Thunder Kiss? Thunder Kiss. That is a jam. It's a, it's a total jam. I love it, and I'm not a big fan of the band. Mm-hmm. That is a total jam. Whenever I hear that, I freak out. I think it's a really great song. The song after it is much better, Black Sunshine. I have to just sit down and listen to the record again. Oh, dude, sit down and listen to that record. It's, yeah, right. it's great, man. Yeah. The opening song, Welcome to Planet Motherfucker. Yeah. And then you know, then it hits you with the Thunder Kiss 65. Yeah, then they yeah. hit you with Black Sunshine, which yeah. has the opening from Iggy Pop. Okay. Right. Talking about See, driving I just, his hot I mean, rod I'm down ignorant. the road. I'm totally ignorant because, like, I mean, yeah, I man. unfortunately I'm still stuck in that mindset of make them die slowly. Yeah. Where it's like this is really bad, and I really should sit down and give the stuff after that. I can't do his solo stuff. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not going that far. Do Lost Exorcist. Yeah, I'll, I'll give those records a shot. I'm, yeah. I'm really. I'm going to give them a shot for real. Remember, it was 1991 when this happened. Yeah. Too, yeah. Right. When you listen to Lost Exorcist and you realize it's 91, you're like. Nobody was fucking doing this. And it's hard. It's it's rock and roll. It's yep. really aggressive guerrilla rock and roll. And it holds up. Oh, I mean, yeah. th- that tune especially, it holds up, man. It's a good song. And I'll tell you what, Rob Zombie puts on one hell of a show. For sure. I remember, I don't remember what year it was, maybe like 2010. Um, me, my girlfriend, and a few of my buddies went and saw uh, Slayer, who was actually opening up for Rob Zombie. That's a, um, that's a sin and a half, but keep going. Well, anyways, um, I remember the you know the 11 p.m. hit, and I don't know what the exact cost was, but there's a certain amount of money you have to pay every minute you go over that. Oh yeah, PM yeah, oh yeah. Limit. It's not cheap. It's like ten grand. And he said that on stage. He's like, you know, oh, it's some odd thousand dollars to go over the limit. 
I guess I'm going to be paying a lot of fucking money tonight. Yeah. And then just kept fucking playing. It was awesome. That's cool. That's cool. So, no, I mean, going back to that, though, Sid Haig, uh, yeah, real bummer. Yeah, how uh, was Three from Hell? <laughs> See, that's interesting. I'm trying to be a nice guy here, man. I, you know what? It's gritty. Yeah. It's gritty. It's dirty. It's exactly what you want from Rob Zombie. Very cool. My buddy. I like the Devil's Rejects. My buddy Addison said he loved it. And mm-hmm. I actually read an article today that said that Three from Hell, they consider to be Rob Zombie's second best film. Behind? Uh, House of a Thousand Corpses was number one. Oh, okay. And Devil's Rejects was three. I'm on the Lords of Satan. I think Rob Zombie, I, I think, you know. That was last. I love that movie. He's got a lot behind him right now, but I really think that Rob Zombie kind of has something in front of him here. He's going he's gonna to do something. Because well, there's a bunch of stuff that he's done that I really like. I'm not going away going, whoa. Yeah. There's something he's going to do, I think, that we're, we're going to walk away from going, whoa. Yeah. As far as movies is concerned. But rest in peace, Sid Haig. I'm really bummed sure. about that. He was a real good friend of our show. Um, I'm really bummed about it, and I'm going to miss him. Um, you know, he wasn't a best friend of mine personally, but I got to see him every once in a while. And every time I saw him, he's like, he would, Scott, how are you, man? Mm-hmm. Even at his, you know, tired He's been tired. He's, you know, you get older, you get tired. He'd always had a nice thing to say, and I'm really bummed. So rest in peace, Sid Haig. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Rob, I, I, we, we got to talk about this before we get to the meat of this thing here. What do we got? Well, you're coming here about 28 inches lighter of hair. 28 <laughs> inches lighter. Now, yeah. I didn't, I'm going to be totally honest here. You've always had the man bun thing going, you stupid fucking hipster. But it's you, not a hipster. You, you it's had that, tactical. You had that. It's, ta- it's why tactical. tactical? Yeah. Well, because it keeps it out of the way, right? And Okay, so you have a certain look with your long hair. Right? Not for long. I'm going to cut mine off, too. When you put your hair in the ponytail, you don't look like you're about to rob somebody for a pack of you know Marlboro Reds. Right. When okay. I put my hair in a ponytail, like people start hiding stuff because they think <laughs> I'm gonna fucking rob them. Like I look like I look like a dirty scumbag, right? Okay. So I had to put it in the man bun to keep it out of the way, and it just so happens that the hipsters thought I looked cool. So it's crazy to me because the minute hair starts touching my ear, it's got to get cut. Yeah, I don't like it. Yeah, I'm I'm done with the hair. And I and and I have to say this is inspiration because I mean, dude, seriously, I saw you were t- you put your pictures up on Facebook this morning. Yeah. Like, dude, I didn't know it was that long. Twenty eight inches, dude. And when that was, like, that was down to your butt. When yeah, when she cut it, when she cut it, she put it in a ponytail and cut it. And when like the hair fell out, it was still like to my ear length. Yeah. Right. So I mean, I would have to say if you went from the bottom of my ponytail to where my hair is now, you're you're talking a good thirty two plus inches. So how long was your hair cut? Huh? How long the haircut? It don't take, take very long. How long to do the that. haircut take? Yeah, uh, like two seconds to cut the ponytail. I was gonna say it looks like you got a pretty fancy do going yeah, on. Yeah, and then this this took her. She shaved this up. Took about two seconds, and then she kept toying with the top. She goes, "Is this short enough on the top?" I'm like, "No, make it shorter. I don't want to do anything with it. I don't want to. I don't want to have to comb it or brush it. Like I've spent five years combing and brushing and." Putting it's, stuff that's in I'm my tired long of, hair. I'm sick of it. Yeah. I'm sick of it. Every morning I get up for work, I have to sit there and, you know, condition the hell out of it and get and run the comb through it and get it right. And I'm just, I'm tired. Yeah. I'm worn out. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm close. I'm real close right life, now. Thankfully. No, mm-hmm. I'm real close right now. And seeing that, I'm like, and I know Amber, because Amber will be home here pretty soon. Yeah. She'll hear this. 
and be like, oh my God, I can't wait. Because she's been wanting me to cut my hair for like 10 years. Yeah. She's the one that told me to grow it out. Mm-hmm. I grew it out and then cut it off. I'm like, I don't want to cut it off. I like it long. Yeah, my wife was bummed. She she liked the long hair. We can grow it back out. Yeah, no, I'm not. You don't want to? I'm not, no. I, I don't can't. blame you. It's a pain in the ass. It's going to start falling out. It's going to be way too gray. Well, so. I want to go. I mean, I'll, if I cut my hair off, I'm going to grow it back out probably. Yeah. Because I hate. I just hate where it is right now because it's just, it's, my hair is thin, mm-hmm. not thinning. It's just, I have thin hair. It's fine. It's fine yeah. hair. And I, I'm hoping if I cut it all off and grow it back out again proper, maybe it'll come out different, which yeah. is completely stupid because it's the same hair. <laughs> but well, whatever I mean, you do, donate it to the kids with cancer. That's a cool idea. Yeah. I'll def- and that's what you did. Because they take the hair and they make wigs out of it. I'll get you the name. Because there's a couple different organizations that do it. Yeah. Some organizations charge the kids for the wigs. And are fuck you out, that. Are you kidding me, man? They, yeah, fuck that. They charge you. So there's one organization yeah. that they charge you to give them the hair. And then they charge the kids for the wigs. And they can eat a whole entire pound of dick with that. That's right? that's completely insane. Yeah, I don't mind the paying them. the purpose of that organization? Yeah. Funneling money, yeah, yeah, funneling money. Yeah. So the one I'm going, terrible. the one I'm going to, I can't remember the name, but I think I still have to pay them for the donation. It's a, it's a minor fee, but they give the wig to the kids for free, which I don't mind paying to give them my hair, right? Because they're gonna have to make so wigs what? out of it and do stuff. I, I thought right? they typically paid you. No, 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 no. Because oh, okay. once I, they get the hair, they be, have it, to make the whole wig. It out may of be it. a Maybe. tax write-off. Mm-hmm. You could probably write it off in taxes. Which why? I mean, I. Weird to think okay, look, Salvation Army's one right thing, off. you know, but I'm not doing that. You need at least seven inches. So if you don't have seven inches, wait. I don't know what I have. You got to measure it. I'll have to look. Yeah. Uh, I'm eight. I have longer than... Oh, hair. My bad. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I knew, I knew that, that was coming. <laughs> it was in the horizon of this discussion. My dad, my, my, my wife called my dad. She put him on FaceTime and he goes, oh man, how, how much is that? How long is that? I said, about as big as my dick. Hey! <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for hanging out, guys. Uh, no we had a really cool conversation. Uh, and, and, and why does this keep... Tony... What's his... How, how did he say... Lavorna. <laughs> I've heard this like 50 times, man. Mm-hmm. This is ridiculous. And we did talk to Tony Lavorna. There's a really cool, interesting story of how we were able to have him on the show here. I'm going to save that because Brad brilliantly told us that in the actual show itself. Oh, thank uh, you. But I do want to say a few things about Tony. Tony Lavorna. Tony Good Lavorna job. Good job. is a published author, researcher, and public speaker on the unexplained and the obscure paranormal who also researches local folklore and legends in Pennsylvania. He is the author of Haunted Roads of Western Pennsylvania and Astonishing Tales of Pennsylvania, Curiosities, cur- Curses, and creatures. Tony Lavorn, Lavorna, Lavorna. I, I just, it's that, that, let's that just lazy with, E. Let's just go with Tony. Tony, Tony, <laughs> Tony also has a podcast called Tony La, Tony's Legends and Lore Podcast. It's actually Tony Lavorna's Legend and Lore Podcast. Tony is also the owner of a vintage and antique business specializing in vintage and antique items from the 1920s through the 1970s. We had a really cool conversation with tony i'm really happy you guys get to hear this and brad thank you neighbor brad thank you for having me sweet neighbor brad here 
you were the guy that turned me on to this guy. You said, I met this dude in Pennsylvania. Maybe you should have him on. Well, anyone that's willing to buy me beer is a friend of mine. So enjoy our conversation with Tony Lavorna. Neighbor Brad here is tonight. You're here tonight. Yes. You're you're in the studio. This is my illustrious neighbor, Mr. Brad. That's the only name we can give him. We have I been him. mentioned before? I, you may have been mentioned twice. before. Twice. Twice. Considering you don't know names, I don't believe you. Yeah. <laughs> you may have been mentioned. I, I'm sure like with everything that goes on down here, we've mentioned your name before, but neighbor Brad's here in the studio tonight. Mr. Mr. Fugate's here tonight also. Howdy. Thanks for joining us. Uh and so a couple months ago, I'm going to give you the floor for this too. Okay. Like, where the hell were you at? Like, what was going on with this thing? So a good friend of mine, Addison Binnick, he, he makes movies. And we travel to these random conventions where a bunch of uh, mainly unknown directors go and try to sell their movie off. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the guys that run it, Tim Gross, Tom Gross, and I, I know there's a couple pe- other people, but... Uh, so it's in it's in Washington, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and uh, so we we made the haul to Washington, and uh, we got a table, and I just happened to be sitting right next to Tony. Yeah, and I'm sure Tony noticed that I liked beer, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Tony was like, "Hey, you know what? Uh, you get me." Yeah, yeah. I'm perceptive so that way. I'm he told me if you get way, a pizza and a pitcher, I'll pay for it. And I was like, oh, well, shit, free food and beer? Yeah, know, of course. Go. How do I say no to that? But no, we ended up talking, and he, he kind of you right. know briefly told me about what he was into. And I bought one of his books, and I've read part of it. My, I know my girlfriend's read it. You know, she liked it. Um, yeah. And, you know, I had you in mind, Scott. Uh, you know, I, I know you do your podcasts and I thought that you two would be, yeah, know, yeah. So you, I, I, I figured Tony would be great to have on your show. Yeah. And so you came home and said, Hey, I met this really rad dude. Uh, <laughs> yep. uh, I didn't hear about the beer and pizza story. That's pretty awesome. Wow. <laughs> and I said, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he was, keeping he was, keeping he was waiting to drop it yeah. on the show here. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I'm like, I'd, I'd love to get a hold of this guy. So that's great. <laughs> so Tony Lavorne, did I screw it up? Did I, did I get it right? Oh my god! Uh, you're I, you, you're you, getting closer. You you're just told me closer. a second ago, Tony I'm stupid, man. Tony Lavorna. I'm go. sorry, Tony. Thank you. No, I I, I mean this. Thank you for taking some time there to chat go. with us uh, about some really cool stuff here. Uh, it's sure. a lot of time to invest in these things, so thank you again. Um, so you know, and you have a you, you're a I mean, obviously you're you're an author and researcher, um, and you mainly circle around. From what I understand, it's 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 local folklore and stuff like that in Pennsylvania, right? So, I mean, yeah. Uh, that's yeah. correct. That's correct, Scott. I, I primarily concentrate on southwestern Pennsylvania, the area in which 
Um, I grew up where I was born. I'm a native okay, of cool. southwestern Pennsylvania. Uh, there are times that I do go over the border towards Ohio uh, and a little bit into West Virginia from time to time because sometimes cases and research will okay. lead me into that direction. But uh, primarily, so I'm curious. And I mean, we we don't have all night here. I know this could we could go all night with just this tale, like this topic alone. But I mean, as far as the local area where you're right. around, I'm sure there's there's a handful of interesting tales. Let's call them right. Maybe for the local, and I know it's an open ended question. I'm sorry, absolutely. But I'm curious about maybe a couple of tales from that area that you have there. Could you could you could you enlighten us? Oh, certainly. Um, first of all, uh, for those who have never been uh, to uh, Pennsylvania, yeah. the state of Pennsylvania, I can tell you firsthand, you're talking about a very old state, okay? It has a lot of history to it, and I'm not going to bore your listenership with, <laughs> with a history lesson, but the part that's going to concern you really is probably what happened uh, before our own war uh, for our country for independence, um, the war that probably set Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania on the map would have been back with the okay. French and Indian War. Um, and just real quickly, um, there was basically a, a war going on between the colonies and, well, in this case, it was actually between the English and the French, but because the colonies were over here, that kind of bled into yeah. that war. Okay. So in one way, I guess you could say it was really truly the first world war. Okay. Um, and what happened was uh, long story short, uh, the French who had held the area um, often incorporated the native American Indians um, in order to try to battle the English. Uh, but the English, they prevail. Um, Pittsburgh is basically born. It's going to be named after okay. William Pitt of England. Uh, it will become Pittsburgh. Okay. And the reason why I tell your listenership is this very <laughs> brief history, very watered down history, is because there was an extreme amount of bloodshed, battles, wars, uh, Bushy Run, Manchester, all these different areas, okay, of Pittsburgh were basically back. And, you know, 17, well, you know, we're going all the way back to the late 1700s, um, you know, 1756 uh, right. in, in particular. And there were all of these battles. There was a ton of bloodshed, okay, over these wars. Um, some, would, some believe, some people have a tendency to believe that when you have situations that are extremely violent or, you know, a stream amount of pain, uh, not, to, not to bring people down too much, but... Uh, Think think just back in our own time, uh, the uh, awful events of 9-11. Um, surely you could remember how everybody kind of felt immediately after that, yes, immediately yeah. after the shock. And, and just, yes, sir, the, the, the sanctity that yeah. we kind of all had for that place in New York City after that. So uh, if you could imagine, <clears throat> you know, that's another area where, you know, negativity happens. So these things sometimes they leave an imprint. Some people believe they could leave an imprint on the, on the place itself. Um, so when it comes to Pennsylvania, when it comes to Pittsburgh in particular, or even Southwestern Pennsylvania in general, there were many things that have happened here 
in this town, far too many probably to go over in one show. But as I said, I'll be happy to talk about some of the, yeah. the things that I've encountered. Um, a little bit about myself, I, I started actually uh, putting pen to paper, as it were, and become a published author and writer about six, several years ago. Uh, however, um, I studied folklore, uh, some of the tales I've conducted research for much longer, almost wow. 26, 27 years. Yeah. So I've, I've looked really into um, folklore, uh, the, and, and also I, I guess you would consider it uh, probably the anthropological study of, of folklore, legends, and so on and so forth. In the obscure paranormal. Okay. That's kind of yeah. my repertoire <laughs> in a nutshell. Um, but um, one of the things uh, that, that kind of stuck in my mind uh, for tonight's show, um, you had asked about yeah. tales and stories. Well, uh, one of the first ones that had happened um, that, I, uh, that I actually worked on recently and put in my latest book, which is entitled Astonishing Tales of Pennsylvania, curiosities, curses, and creatures. Uh, now, that can be bought through Amazon. Uh, it can also be bought uh, through the online. Yeah, yeah. and we're going to make sure we put that on the website and everything uh, for, for you, too. So, yeah, we'll get that for you. Great. Fantastic. So let me start there. So uh, where, where I'm going to take us first real quick is, is to a small place. Um, uh, Brad probably just mentioned a moment ago at the top of our conversation. And that is uh, Washington County, Pennsylvania. Uh, Washington County is a small American town. Uh, it's your average American town, but it does have a lot of history steeped to it. Okay. Now, my story actually begins on the 17th of January in the year 2017. And a gentleman who I knew for many, many years, um, in fact, we had at one point attended high school. Um, he had looked me up on Facebook, uh, and he got a hold of some information, and he reached out to me. Um, I, I'm sure he doesn't mind if I put his name on there, as he's already in my book. His name is full in the book, and his name is John Riccosi. Uh Now, Mr. Riccosi, he owns many different uh, commercial businesses. Okay, um, and some of which are actually located in the small town of Washington, Pennsylvania. Now, as I said, on the 17th of January, John had reached out to me and we began to speak uh, shortly on, on the Facebook. Well, he asked me if there would be a chance or an opportunity if he and I could somehow meet because he had learned of my, I guess you would call, interesting writing career in the subject matter <laughs> oh. that I chose. So he kind of alluded that he had yeah. an interesting question that he would like to ask me. And so, you know, being a friend, I, I says, um, sure, we could, we could probably yeah. meet at some point, you know, or, or somehow um, hook, hook up somehow. So we ended up going to a restaurant. And um, he says to me in this kind of funny voice, and if you can imagine, here's this man, uh, he's slender build, um, 
jet black hair, you know, kind of the the epitome of an Italian fella. He kind of slicked back here. He has these little brown <laughs> pewter eyeglasses and a small pencil thin mustache. Yeah. And he looks over these glasses and he's he's drinking a hot cup of coffee. You can imagine he says, you know, I've been having an ongoing problem with a rental property and I believe it may Uh-oh. be haunted by something. And I tried everything. I purchased this rental property in Cannonsburg. It was a solid investment. I tried to refurbish it some and so on and so forth. I put in new electric and wiring and he kind of drops off and tells me all the refurbishments. He says, but nothing adds up to what my tenants are telling me. So at that, of course, you know, my curiosity was a little bit piqued. I says, Okay. I says, well, you know, can you, can you somehow tell me a little bit about what it is your, about what it was that, you know, is going on? So he says to me, sure. He says, um, let me, let me start at the beginning. And I says, that's fine. You know, please do. So what John begins to tell me is he says, you see, for some reason, my tenants, and if you try to keep in mind, folks, that this is a, uh, commercial uh, building, so he rents it out to a, a nonprofit agency and yeah. some other tenants that he has. He says my tenants keep telling me that the power goes out in this building. So naturally, I'm stirring my coffee and I look over and I say, "Oh, well, you're looking <laughs> for an electrician?" And you know, because I'm, I'm, you know, wouldn't you? You know, oh, you're looking for an electrician. He says. No, 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 no. He says, the power is being shut off. And I said, I'm, I'm sorry, where are we going with this? And he sounds to me and he says, listen, the tenants are telling me that something is shutting off the power. And when I go over to see what is going on there, I'm going down to the basement. I'm going to where my bu- my junction box, all my power box, everything is there, the fuse box, so on and so forth. He says, I have to flip the switch and everything again, power it up. We're good. I said, okay. He says, a few days will go by and this will happen again, but at a different day, different time, different interval. I said, of course, well, let's... um." Let me just ask you this. I said, are you sure this is not some type of electrical problem? Perhaps it's a step down with the grid itself. Perhaps, you know, I no. listen, I have built this building back up from sticks and bricks. I went through the electrical. I had a master electrician come out. So if you could imagine I'm thinking to myself, I'm not sure what I'm really expected to do here. I'm a writer. I'm an author. I do conduct research. But as far as this, I'm thinking, where do I come in at it? So I'm I'm like, sure, you know, if I can help him maybe appease my friend somehow, I said, sure, I I, I can come out there and we can take a look. Well, so I decide to go out. I arrive at the place um which he refers to as the Heil house okay. h-i-l-e 
And I, I said to myself, okay, so what we have here uh, for your listeners, it's, it's, it's like a, um, it's, a, it's an entire home, but it's being used as a commercial uh, property. It's a two-story. It's an old home, I would say, you know, that dates actually back to the 1800s because I did do background information yeah, on tenants. it. So, yeah, is it multiple tenants? Multiple tenants. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, multiple tenants. That's correct. Well, multiple tenants. Um, so I said to him, I says, listen, I, I really don't want to bother your tenants at this time, but may I just come in, go down to this basement with you and take a look, you know? So I go down to the basement, we access it. Um, you know, I know we get over to the box and he shows me where it is. He shows me where this is, um, chained, uh, well, I should say the chain that he has on it is like a lock chain, but he shows me that he's made this partition with this, this, this lock and this door. Uh, at this point, Mr. Ricosi goes on to tell me that he has a license key made to this uh, lock and so on and so forth. So as to none of the tenants, you see. Yeah, he's the only one with a key. Like a prank he's, game, you know. He's the only one with a key, it off and so, right? So on. Yeah, okay. All right. And that's correct. That's correct. So, so we're, so at this point, you know, I'm like, okay, so, so you told me you had a master electrician out here. Uh, and his findings were that this, the electric's all fine. Everything's been improved. I said, in the meantime, I had placed a call uh, to the power companies before Washington County. I was just trying to make sure that, you know, perhaps it was some type of overload. Sometimes, uh, you know, if you get something on the grid and it overloads the grid or you have a step down and, and something isn't working properly. This is exactly what I was thinking. Uh, another thing that may happen is if it's yeah. an older junction box, it's not been uh, modified or so on and so forth. Again, you can overheat trip yeah. the box itself. So I go through to make sure all of this is good. And then he tells me as I'm about to leave, because I'm thinking, you know, well, you know, other than the fact that this is a locked box or built box on the wall, you know, this isn't going anywhere, this story. So as I go to leave, he says, it happened over there, you know. So I turn around to look at him and I says, what do you mean by it happened over there? He says, it happened around the 1920s at the house. In the basement, it was the scene of a, a terrible fire. He says to me, Mrs. Heil was down here ironing her linens when the telephone rang upstairs. Uh, Mrs. Heil, of course, runs up to answer the phone and forgets that she has a hot iron on this ironing board, some of which was wood. Uh, As soon as she realizes her mistake, she goes back or heads back down to the basement, according to Mr. Cozy's story. Now, regrettably, it would be too late. See, she rushes into the basement only to find that the fire is spreading. And what, in the end, accidentally happens is Mrs. Howe finds herself trapped in that basement. And sadly, how how is she she trapped in the basement, though? Well, apparently, when she went over to where it was, the fire was already spreading. And some of the property, the beams and the, and the other things that they had in there, I supposedly catched. And she could not get her way back to the stairs. 
to get up okay. out of the building in the basement. Okay. So I, so apparently she, she perishes in, in this fire. Now I inquired, of course, as to when the house had built the house and John's answer for me was very interesting. Okay. Because the man said to me, oh, the house did not build this house. James Howell married a woman by the name of Lulu Fulton. Okay. Now, fellas, here's what happened to me. That name kind of stuck in my mind. And here's why. Okay. Prior to this and prior to this house, I knew that this street, which was the West Pike off of Maine and Hannesburg, was very old. But there was an event that happened here long ago that was very interesting, and that was on August 21st of 1888. Um, it doesn't take much um, that that you have to, well, I, I should say that there, I'm sorry, not 1888, 1898, excuse yeah. me, 1898. Uh, there was a fire that broke out in Cannonsburg, okay, the town in Washington okay. County where this house was located. Now, this fire, because of that time, there were no other fire, like a, like a fire department. If you could put in your mind 1898, you had what they called like a bucket brigade, men with yeah, water yeah. buckets. Okay. The closest, the closest type of steam engine or, or engine that could pump water would have been a horse-drawn carriage, and that had to be basically brought on a train from Pittsburgh, which, you know, from the, where this is located would have been over like a, you know, 30, 50 minute ride at that time. Okay. So these houses were all burning down. In fact, the whole town was burning down in 1898. And, and you'll see the importance of this in a moment. As the fire was advancing, the chief decided to use a set of property, a set of buildings, excuse me, a set of buildings as a fire break point to stop the advancing fire. So they're going to light a set of uh, homes on fire and fell the chimneys in order to make a break point to try to contain and stop the fire that's ravishing this town because they realize by the time help reaches them, mm -hmm. there will be nothing left. Now, ironically, I remembered this because of my love and interest of history and the fact that I had done work uh, on some informations in history for Cannonsburg for an unrelated event. So the name Lulu Fulton kind of stuck in my mind because Lulu and her sister Greta Fulton rebuilt <clears throat> their property, okay? And their property, their house, turned out to be the, what he is referring today as the Heil okay. House. Okay? So the two sisters rebuilt the house and Mr. Heil comes over from Germany. He ends up uh, marrying uh, Lulu, okay? And they're the ones that purchase, or I should say, you know, he takes stock with Lulu of, of the Heil house, the one in which mm -hmm. I told you she just died. In. Okay? Now, back to our <laughs> main event here. So what, <laughs> what, what ends up happening is, I decided the best course of action here would to actually be to enlist 
some people that I know who could probably take a, a better look at this property. Okay. Because again, author, yes. writer, researcher, I'm not a, I'm not what I consider a, a, a paranormal mm-hmm. investigator or ghost hunter. Okay. That kind of falls in the realm of what some other people do. So I enlisted the aid of some young ladies and gentlemen from East Liverpool, Ohio, which was regionally close to where this property stood. Now, they can call themselves the OPIT, and that stands for the Ohio Paranormal Investigation Team. Now, at the time, it was spearheaded by a young lady uh, by the name of Melissa Rhodes Hornbeck, uh, and she had some about four other um, agents or investigators with her. Now, what they decided to do um, was to come to the house, and she said what we could do for Mr. Ricosi is to kind of fill out a report on any findings um, or lack of findings um, when we so come there to see the property. So I got a question for you, Tony. Oh, go so ahead. All you have was a question? Set. Yeah, I got a question yeah, for you. Uh, uh, these folks that came and did the investigation, mm-hmm. are they like the scientific folks with all the gadgets and the gizmos and stuff, or are they like walking around with crystals exactly and stuff. exactly rob they have they they incorporate actually okay, cool. a couple different methods um what one of them is what you've mentioned which would be the the verbos the evp yeah, the electronic yeah. voice detectors and so on and so forth anything that um tools that are often used or incorporated by by um the investigators that you see today um, so they arrive on the scene. I introduce them to Mr. Ricosi and, and so they decide it would be best to go to where the place was that she thought or, or where he felt, you know, she perished, which was the basement. Now at that time, the tenants were gone. It was like a, towards like a weekend. So the tenants were not there at that point. So Mr. Ricosi was gracious, gracious enough to make sure that we could access the rooms. The reason I wanted to make sure that I could access the room, of course, the most obvious of obvious reasons was to make sure that there was no other, you know, jokes or, you know, silliness going on where somebody was actually there and shutting things off. And, you, you know, you get the idea. So <clears throat> we go there and we secure the place and they begin to, I guess you would say, hook up their machines, their apparatus, and place them into different areas. Now, uh, one of the things that they do is is to place some of these apparatus on the second floor or the upstairs of the building, the second, and then the first floor as well, to see if they could pick up different forms of, of activity on the meters and so on and so forth. Now, as they're going through, and, and this process, by the way, folks, could you know take either a couple hours. Uh, they can elect to stay all night. Um, so there's different times at which you know they do these things. I know sometimes people get confused. They see things on TV where the program goes for a half hour. Oh, don't get me started on that, Mister. Don't get me started on that, Tony. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> did you hear that? Did you feel that? You know, and it's it's like a twenty minute, you know, and you're thinking to yourself, yeah, I think oh, I we're all yeah, I saw it. Yeah, it's it's you know, so 
it, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so it it just doesn't work that way. Just just take my you know yeah, advice right. on it. It doesn't quite work that way. So they had elected to stay the majority of the night because I had obligations, other obligations. I decided to stay there with them as long as I could, which was uh, r- roughly a couple of hours, roughly about two, two and a half, maybe two and a half. Hours. Now, in that time, they decided to go outside, have a cigarette break, talk, and obtain some more um, devices and equipment from their truck. Now, upon doing so, the team came out with me. I, I just want to make sure everybody understands that. and. Before they'd done so, um, Ms. Hornbeck went upstairs and decided because the apparatus that she was using at that time seemed to show some activity on that second floor, and there was a small room towards the front of the house that faced the street, she decided she was going to turn on the light and was asking um, what she believed to be the ghost or the spirit of this lady to give her a sign by either trying to flicker or to turn the power off or what have you. So we all go down the stairs. We all go out. Everybody is accounted for. I bring Mr. Ricosi along. He's speaking to one of the other researchers and I am speaking to Miss Hornbeck. Now we're standing just guys, maybe let's say a street length. Just just a simple street wide yeah. street. We're standing there by her car. My back is to the building, but Miss Hornbeck is facing it as she's beginning to light her cigarette and tell me about a case that she was on. Um, other than this one here. And as she was beginning to do so, she stops dead, hits me in the shoulder and says, Turn around, it's out. So as I turn around, I'm thinking, why is she, you know, why is she pushing me and t- turning me around? Here, the light had gone out on the property, the one that I had just told you was on, in there, in the building. No one else was in the place. We rush across the street. We go down the steps. We run the thing down into the basement. Mr. Ricosi in front of me, his flashlight, me, and then the team. There's the box. There's the switches. Everything locked. Oh, shit. The thing oh, come on. Off. Now, here's the problem. Here's the problem. Now, I'm saying to myself, maybe it's a timer. Maybe it's some type of trick, right? So, again, I'm investigating the boxes. Now, now, as I'm standing there looking at this locked box, kind of scratching my head a little bit at this point, still skeptical, one of her people tell me that she cannot find one of the devices, one of the EVP recorders that she had there on the ground because they were trying to take measurements and they were also trying to listen for sound and so on and so forth. Now, as we're standing there, and of course, I cannot validate this because I did not see it prior to there because I was not standing where she had said she had laid it. Now, as they're standing there looking for their different equipment and looking at whatever it was they feel they have captured, that recorder turns up, but it was not on a floor where it was placed. 
it turns up halfway across the room on top of a box. And the recording on it sounds oh, like fire oh, being put out by water. Whoa. Really? Really. That's crazy. Now, at that, I don't know at this point what to tell you. Okay? Because, again, I'm a writer. <laughs> I'm an author. I do conduct research. I don't know. I'll let you and your people decide what you believe or don't believe. Wow. Since that time, there have been other tenants that have reached out to Mr. Ricosi that still say they hear things sometimes like either like wow. the crackling of fire, like you would hear if something was ignited or burning, or water. Wow, running that's crazy. That no, so wait, these are go. different tenants, or are these no. the same tenants? Oh, you know, good. is it like a different yep. group of people that are like, hey, I moved in here two weeks ago and. Um, to, to, to far, as far as I know, uh, Rob, I, I believe these right, are actually crazy. different tenants now, from, from my understanding. But I, I did not validate that. I mean, I did not collaborate that at this point, at this time, because I have not well, returned it, to the property as yet. We started talking earlier. Um, you, you know, you mentioned some very interesting things that, I mean, that I've kind of held near and dear to my heart as far as trying to understand what all this stuff is for, I mean, at least for myself, for over two decades now. And one of those things is um, right. when you have an environment where you have a lot of emotion that may be imprinted on it, and you mentioned 9-11, for example, right? Uh, as, as an example, right? Absolutely. Um, that's a very good mm -hmm. example. But I always say things like places with strong emotion. And 9-11, you know, the, the Twin Towers... Uh, that area was not spared with high emotion. Mm -hmm. uh, any environment, though, can be can be imprinted. I think it's one of my ideas. I have. I'm not. I'm not. Absolutely. I, I, I mean, I'm I not saying any of it's true. I mean, I, I, I'm also willing to say that some in, some environments, depending yeah. on their makeup, the stone, whatever it may be, uh, it, it could be easier to imprint emotion. Right, a more porous material, perhaps. Well, yeah, certain stones, yeah. things like that. Right. So, sure, sure. I mean, there wouldn't be enough time in the program. Although <laughs> I'm enjoying it, there wouldn't be enough time in the program. I mean, we could be talking about. I mean, look at how many variety of um, spiritual ghosts um, we 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 talk about in today's world. I mean, there's, there's, there's corporal, non-corporal, there's the, the wispy type, you know, plasmic type yeah, of yeah. ghost or anomaly. There's uh, lights, uh, orbs. Some people believe in orbs. Some people don't, um, you know, people from a religious or theological aspect, some believe in yeah. demons and some don't, um, you know, then there's the whole topic of shadow man. Yeah. You know, that's, mean, it, it, it comes goes in a lot, of, on. Really a lot of shapes and flavors. What I was pushing more towards, though, as far as the idea of this thing, is the idea of more of a, a residual type haunting, which I know we're all familiar with here. Is this idea of an imprint on an environment, right. something with high emotion? I know for a fact that right. if I found a part of God, I hope I'm not cursing myself saying this. I know for a fact. 
that if I found a part of my house burning, <laughs> I'd be pretty upset. Right. That yeah. I would have very strong emotions about sure. that thing happening in front of me. I had some ice in my freezer Absolutely. this morning, and I got plenty <laughs> pissed off about that. Ice. And that was something that was pretty easy to fix, right? Um, so finding, right. I mean, right. finding your 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 life's work being damaged, let's say. And I mean, knowing that there's nothing to put the fire out. And, and there's no way, there's no coming back. Right. You know, it's destroyed. I mean, that's where this emotion comes from. Right. And then, then there's the other thing. How about a life yeah. not fully well, lived? Well, okay, because you know what I just said was just. Uh, let's just say, like, let's 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 break this up a little bit, right? Because I mean, that's really interesting, though that piece of it, Tony. But let's break it up because what I was just talking about was just seeing right. like a part of my house maybe getting burned up. But I walk out just fine, plenty pissed off, right. but just fine, right? And hopefully my insurance takes care of it and all yeah, that rigmarole. Right. Um, now we're talking about a person who is engulfed in a, well, they're, they're going to eventually be engulfed. Um, they're in a fire they can't get out of. That emotion right there is going to explode off the charts, in my opinion, as far as its intensity. Sure. Uh, you're, you know, and that's where I think absolutely this imprint comes from. I think. And I don't even know if it's an intelligent type thing. Uh, there's, and I, I, and I keep repeating this over every damn show right. we do here, and it's, it's funny. But I'm starting to really think that this, this whole idea when it comes to what we call ghosts or spirits may be just another force in nature we don't understand. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, for it's sure. It's beyond our perception. Maybe our... Well, there is a, there's also a, 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 a degree that... that um... Well, some people also believe, too, that it's simply an imprint, yeah, yeah. as you had mentioned, Scott. In other words, the soul is playing out much like a recording. They're playing out an event over and over because they either decided or somehow either moved along or didn't move along. And so it's like a recording. Or, or this idea that you said a couple seconds ago, though, Tony, about a life not fully lived. And I think that's that's a fascinating right. idea, right? Because none of us here, none of us in our studio, you on the phone can really say what happens when your body starts to. I mean, and we don't even know really. Like, do we actually have a soul that separates from this physical Absolutely. coil that we right. walk around in this this heavy bag of water that we have that we that we that we're inside of? Right? right. We don't really even know. So, I do exactly. think. Go ahead. And, and furthermore, we cannot really either disprove yeah. or prove it. You know, I mean, at this, at this conjunction, you know, at this conjunction, there are those two who also share, share in the premise that perhaps we are a form of energy. And when this corporal body ceases to exist, we change much like light can be a particle yeah. in the form of a wave or it could be. Yeah, yeah, in the totally. way of a ray. You know what I mean? So if something can change, if something can change from one to the other, there's always that possibility that we could be made up of this uh, What's... latent type energy. And what you're seeing is the residual effect of that. Now, why it happens for some and not for others. So what's that thing that they used we to talk know. about? The weight of the soul? What is that? Like 21 grams? Oh, they, grams yeah, they say like that. that. Yeah. 
right it's an idea now. yeah it's an idea yeah but my yeah. i mean going along this idea of because i mean it's it, it it may be an easy solution we don't know right but it's very logical to think this way right. of what you already said tony which is okay i'm gonna die like you're facing death over <laughs> okay um no <laughs> that's the sound you make when you're facing death um but you're facing death you know you're gonna die it may, it, and it may be a peaceful death it may be a violent death I mean, I mean you don't know but you have enough time in those few moments to recognize what's happening to you that some things are going to change drastically and you have enough time in your mind to run through, and we've seen like the the reels on movies, like people reliving their lives over. But I think, and I think it's a real thing. I think people do go through right. that. They think about, okay, what have I done? Like, what have I done as a person? What, what have I made any good right. change? Have I had a positive effect on somebody's life? I mean, a lot of things we can go all night on this, right? Mm -hmm. And I think this may be one of those things where we may Absolutely. that may explain this idea of what a ghost may be. It could simply be someone that when they're in this situation when they're dying they say man this sucks i don't want to leave yet i had this to do i wanted to see the grand canyon i you know i i wanted to ride a go-kart i mean whatever it might be i wanted to do these things i'm staying i'm not leaving yeah i'm staying i don't want to leave and that's where there may be this hiccup yeah in nature and I think, too, you also have to look at the possibility that even when somebody, um, every time, well, first of all, let me start here. I'll back this up. Everybody dies under usually some type Correct, of sure. different circumstance. Okay. Uh, there is a possibility, gentlemen, that someone can expire and may not realize and that's another that that's another side of this thing yeah if you are alone sleep. in a log cabin in the middle of the woods in the middle of hoboken of nowhere and you expire you may or may not realize that you are already oh yeah on that well, yeah, and that's side. an interesting idea about that too i mean if you're if you're a loner you know that's one of the things one of the things my, my mother always exactly. says, like, I just don't exactly. want you, I want you to have somebody in your older years and things yeah. like that. Cause I want, and I know, I know, I think, right. I think a lot of people are afraid to, I mean, that's one of the main fears of death is to die alone and how you're going to die. Right. Um, but yeah, that's a very interesting idea Absolutely. about that too, though, Tony, because what if you're a loner? What if, and I, I, there's people like that. They, they operate better just exactly. by themselves. They don't want to, they don't want to interact with people. Um, Sometimes they build bombs. <laughs> we know that right. from history. But, I mean, a lot of people live, historic, there's people that live on their own. And so you're living this solitary life where you don't talk, you don't really interact with people. Mm -hmm. There's not much you really do. You just kind of operate every yep. day. You just kind of exist. You're just kind of in, in, in an environment that you live in. What if that happens to you? You're sleeping in the middle of the night. You just right. go to bed one night and you don't wake up. Well, here's a question. Yeah. Like, do you have to be physically alone right. or can you just be emotionally detached? Like the movie, The Sixth Sense, right? Or, or could you just write? I mean, let's face it. Yeah. Who has an amongst, among us sometimes gone to an event or been a part of an event and the party's going on and you're standing there 
and you're as much as alone as if you were on a dark road exactly. in the middle of every the single desert. day of my life. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you could be. Yeah, now you could be, you could be in in yeah. your mind and your thinking, you know, and be very alone yeah, as I mean, well. That's so it isn't just a physical point. location; it's it, it yeah. just being and physically detached. It is being mentally detached, mentally right. mentally detached. Like 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 I was saying, that was that movie, Absolutely. The Sixth Sense, right? Absolutely. The guy didn't know he was dead because he was just separated from reality most of the time, anyways, right? Well, yeah, I mean. And then we also have to study the other physical attributes and and mental faculties as well does someone who is clinically insane with multiple personalities when they die do they see different lies or different things or no you know because clinically they they think they are whoever the personality is if you are elect at that moment yeah if you are that mentally disturbed where you have multiple personalities or what if what if what if it's just as simple as this idea of I know there's people probably at my age that don't feel like they really know who the hell they are, right? And I mean, I'm not that old, but I'm older, right? Right. I, I sure. think maybe there's people that they don't feel right. like they have any type of identity yet. I think a lot of people have that problem where they're like, okay, well, I'm 40 right. years old and I just don't feel like I have any lot and like I have any direction in life. I don't know who the hell I am, right. you know, blah, blah, blah. And it comes back, but it may just, with that situation, it may just circle back around to what we said initially, which was, I haven't done anything. I, I don't want to leave yet. I have stuff I got to do here. Right. I, I, I've been trying to get my act together for years, and I just, right. I'm, just give me some more time, you know? So it made a circle back to that. So there's a lot of ways. Exactly. I mean, and I think it does root more heavily in the, in the mental area of this thing. Because um, even, if if you, even if you're physically removed from society, you're out there by yourself, you're living off the land, that mm-hmm. does have effect an effect mentally on you. Obviously, it's going to bleed back into that where you do feel that detachment. Then you 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 you're just there, right? There's a book I read years ago, and it's it, it, I mentioned this a second ago, but it, it, a book I read years ago where it was about a person who went away. They just went out and lived on their own in mm-hmm. the woods. And one of the things that they said that kind of really was fascinating to me was. They're like, I didn't talk for four months. I didn't use my voice for four right. months. And when I came back in the captivity, it all just kind of worked. It was muscle memory in the brain. But when the words came out, it kind of freaked me out because I hadn't heard my own voice in four months. So that being said, that's going to take a toll on you mentally, I think. And does that go ahead, Tony? Sure. Yeah. No, I was just going to say absolutely. I mean, you know that 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 that's exactly correct. You know, and and could you imagine the shock and awe of, oh my God, I'm yeah. gone. If you, you know, if if you are there and you, they make the startling revelation when you I'm realize gone. it. You know, and then what do they do? They move on. Do they not move on? Does the energy kind of just sit? You know, all of these things are still questions that, uh, as far well, it's, as I it's know, it's unresolved. Is I mean, and, it com- <laughs> I, I, and I think it yeah. comes back to this thing too. I think, I think the the biggest, I think the biggest part probably we'd have with this, a person would have, would be this thing. I have unresolved things. 
I haven't lived enough yet. I think a lot of people right. carry. Yeah. I know. You know, and I think we all have this imperfection: is we may carry stuff on our backs yeah. we really shouldn't have to carry. Right. Mm-hmm. We 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 carry we carry right. grudges, right. and I, I hey, look, I do too. Mm-hmm. We carry we carry these things on our backs, thinking that we're going to live forever. Oh yeah. And. Right. You know, oh. I, I don't, I'm not trying to be morbid here, but you're just one car accident away from that all ending. Oh, for sure. <laughs> right. I mean, you know. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we don't know yeah. when our number is up, you know, and, you know, it's not like they, it's not as if you, most people would say they don't get a second yeah. chance at this. So something happens, you're, you know, you are here, something happens. You are gone, and whatever you did within those few seconds from one to the other, that was it, folks. It does the whole thing. It really does a number on your head because you're not. You're really not. So, hey, Tony, I got a, I got a question for you. Now, we may not know when we're gonna die, but hopefully, you can answer some other questions for us. Like, so you do a lot of research in the Pennsylvania area. What is kind of the most famous or the the biggest kind of regional story that there is out there i know in different parts of the country there's sasquatch or mothman or yeah, something yeah. like that what's the what's the pennsylvania flavor oh uh, sure sure yeah sure fellas i understand um <laughs> well i think i understand the question well there's there's actually a few but if, if i were if i were on a game show and they said you have to pick one for the magic for the magic square i would say in southwestern pennsylvania the most well-known piece of folklore or legend or haunting would probably be that of the green man i know we only have a couple minutes left here but we have to hear all about the green Mm -hmm. man before you leave tony (laughs) well i'll tell you i'll I'll try to put it together for you fast um we we would have to well first of all in my opinion as far as folklore goes, the green man has to be the very epitome of what a legend is. In other words, the criteria for it is it has to be something that was rooted in truth, even though it was exaggerated for something. And then it has to at least endure at least at least 10 years yeah. or more or 20 years or more in this particular legend has endured, I'm happy to say, well over Uh, 60 years now. Yeah. (laughs) Now, (laughs) before I have to go, I'll tell you this story real quickly. Because most people today, especially the younger people who love, I'm sure who probably even listen to your show here, okay, who Mm -hmm. love to hear about legends and ghosts and hauntings, Okay, in Pennsylvania, there's this legend of the man they called the Green Man. But when you ask people who have lived in Pittsburgh for a long time, which I have, who are a little bit older, which I am, before they called him the Green Man, he went by another name, and that was Charlie No-Face. Okay, now... What happened to this poor guy? Okay, this is where our story begins. 
over in a place not far from the city of Pittsburgh, maybe about a 35-minute drive is the little county because we love to have counties <laughs> and boroughs here in Pittsburgh, okay? In fact, I think at last count we had oh over goodness. 99 different boroughs, okay? In one of these little boroughs, we call it Beaver County, okay? In the town of Beaver County, not far from the main area, there's this little town that was called Koppel, K-O-P-P-E-L. Okay, okay now, Koppel, uh, excuse me, Koppel was a small town, and I have to take you back to around the time of the 1920s, 1930s. There was this little boy who was going with his friends to a watering hole, okay, to a little swimming pool that they were going to go and have some fun in. Now, as they were walking through Koppel to that little pool, that little watering hole, they had to cross what they called the Harmer, or um, excuse me, the Orville um, uh, trolley okay. tracks. Okay. Now, the boys went across the track and they decided to dare this one little boy to crawl up the telephone pole and steal some eggs out of a nest that was perched at the top of a pool. Now, the little boy accepted the challenge. You know, it's one oh, of those God, I double dog daria type things. And yeah. You know how little boys are. So this little man crawls up the line. Now, this little man, his name is Ray Robinson. Now, Ray gets to the top of that pool and he goes to reach for those eggs, but something awful happens to this little lad. He actually comes in contact because it's not just a pole. It's the Cantonary oh, overhead no. power line for oh. the trolley. Okay. So this little boy gets 12,000 volts run right through him. Now, I can't answer you, fellas, how he physically survived this, because no. he shouldn't have at all. He fell to the ground. It burnt out his eye sockets. It burnt off his nose, and he lost his left arm underneath the elbow. Now, his skin was a little bit grayish of tin from the burn marks, but for some reason, some act that's beyond comprehension, he somehow survived. Now, that little boy would grow up and he would walk these little trails behind his house in this small town of Koppel. That was until about 1940s. You see, the military came and decimated the area behind his home because they needed the coal for our prosecution against Germany yeah. during World War II. With nowhere left to walk, young Ray started walking Route 351 in the small town of Koppel. How this little blind man would do this is he would place one foot on the road and the other on the shoulder of the road. Now, I got to tell you, fellas, how he was able to do this was a miracle, but that's what he did. Now, he wore a green hat and a green coat. 
And many high school kids would come by and they'd start to see Ray as he grew older into a man. And that bring him beer, that bring him chewing gum, or that bring him something that they could sit and talk with. And most of the kids were very kind because Ray was always really good to them and they called him Charlie No-Face. Now, by and by, of course, there would be some kids that would come and act like punks that take poor Ray and put him in the car and drive him two miles out and leave him and then he'd have to walk back to his small home. Now, about a half, well, I'd say about half a decade, maybe five, six years go by of kids doing this and Charlie always being there. Well, sure enough, believe it or not, kids from all around, especially the colleges, wanted to come see the green man because the green man was kind of like seeing a rite of passage from childhood to becoming a teenager. So they jump in their cars, something that was starting to become prevalent in the 50s and 60s. So the teenagers would go to see Ray and they'd bring them beer and cigarettes. Why one time even <laughs> this young couple was coming on their honeymoon down the road and there was a terrible, awful storm. It was raining and someone had said that Ray was walking across the road and the man pulled up and the the, the wife, the would-be newlywed, the wife, she was there beside Ray and they pull up beside him in the car and the storms are going she rolls down the window and says, oh, sir, God. could you tell oh, me no. how yeah. we could get to the local motel? Well, Ray tries to tell him, and of course, he's trying to hide oh. his face and so on and so forth because of his disfiguration. Finally, she says to him, I can't, I can't oh. hear you, sir. Can you turn? Well, of course, Ray picks up his hat, turns, and she sees his face. And in ghastly shock, she almost passes out from it well later that evening the young couple ended up on the evening news being in, interviewed by a once famous uh host of the uh, news here in pittsburgh bill burns and he said this lady clean claims she oh. saw an alien tonight on the road in Coppel, and everybody i guess got quite a bit chuckle because most people in the town knew it was it was old Old Charlie No Face, old poor Ray Robinson. That's a sad story. But his his legend would actually live on, and Ray would live there in that town for many years. And eventually, of course, the kids would start to say that, you know, they saw the green man in different places. They called him the green man because of his green hat and coat. And eventually they lost the Charlie No Face and started to call him the green man. Well, Within the last 10 to 15 years, I've seen something that interests me, and I've seen it mostly on the blogs and the things where the young people talk, and that's the fact that it would seem to me that the younger generation, they seem to have got their own version of the green man, but theirs is a little bit more darker and sinister, kind of like, I guess, how times have become. But if there was one legend in the world that would epitomize epitomize a legend or folklore in Pittsburgh. Well, it's it ver- probably be it's the verifiable too. Mm-hmm. There's pictures of it. I mean, there, it's verifiable. I mean, yes. and, and it's also sad. Yes. Yeah. I mean, this is a person. Mm-hmm. No, I, I it, it's sad. I mean, I do get, I do oh, yeah. get the, I, I do get the, the legend of it, but I mean, knowing the backstory that you were able to give us here, um, it, it, it's kind of sad. It's just, a, it was just a person that had a bad lot in life and now yeah. they have to hide their face. But that's, that's where the legends are born, right? That's where legends are right, born. Right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And 
And they, and he really was, if, if you do the man, he, he was a kind, a very kind soul, yeah. very, very nice man. You know, you just never, you never quite knew what, what was going to happen, but he, he was always, he was funny. He was kind to them to the best of my knowledge. Anyway, uh, there was never, he never, um, you know, nobody ever had heard him or, or, you know, vice versa that, um, that, He's one, he's really he's really one of the yeah. most popular legends uh of the area and um to me from my point of view it seemed always interesting to me that so many um people knew his knew his uh story they knew who he was they knew uh what the legend was with it they knew you know, they, some people actually even knew his identity, um, like myself included, uh, before I even, you know, had put the book out there. Um, he was very popular, very popular tale. Very popular. Ghostly talk. Discogs. No, yeah, I know I go there Discog- all the time. Discogs, right? Uh, it's something I've had a lot. I have a lot of fun with because I'm a collector uh, yep. of all different types of, you know, cassettes, CDs, records, whatever you name it. I pretty much have it. And so we started talking about this before the tape started rolling here. And um, okay, so basically, I I came across this what we call a lot when I was very young. Um, and it was in. This is going to be. You guys will understand what this is. Uh, the listeners out there, the citizens of the internet, citizens, the citizens of the internet, uh, they may not understand this. I'll fill you in a little bit. So years and years ago, a friend of mine had, I, much like I do nowadays, I bounce around record stores. It's what I've been doing since I was a little kid. Won't ever stop doing that. It's one of the only continuous hobbies I think I've ever had in my entire life is buying records and CDs and cassettes and whatever it may be. Right. So. Years and years ago, I went to one store, and one of the guys had just a pile of ICP cassettes, and you mean insane, insane clown, clown posse, posse. Yeah. and uh, House of Crazies, which I do know a little bit of the lore. So House of Crazies is what became Twisted, which is like a they're like an ICP band also, yeah, they're, right? They're they're homies. House of Crazies is one of the few Detroit. Used to be homies. Used, they're not homies no they're more? They're not homies no more. Why? Oh, is there shit. beef? Uh, I mean, as of recent, that's what I thought. Maybe they are now, but they weren't not too long ago. If you don't want to get into details, it's okay. Well, to be honest, I don't know the details. Oh. I just hate ICP, and then when Twisted hated them, I was like, okay, maybe I can listen to them <laughs> I like now. Twisted now. <laughs> right, yeah. So I came, I just was just from running the circuit in the city here, uh, I just would go there and like promo stuff, whatever. They'd be like, hey, we know you'll take anything because I'm just, I just, at that time, I would just take, I, it's music. I want to hear it. I don't care where it is. And I may not like it, but I still want it to try it out. And it's something to look at and hold. It's really cool, right? So I got this pile of ICP cassettes, some CDs. CDs were just kind of coming in at the time. Uh, and 
House of Crazy stuff, and all these things. So, uh, needless to say, uh, I'm not much of a fan. <laughs> Why I, not? I do appreciate. I do appreciate what uh, you know. ICP is. It's I, very heavy metal, bro. Well, it's very heavy metal, and I mean, there is they're they're as big as Kiss, in my opinion. As far as I shouldn't say they're they're not as big as Kiss, but it's the same philosophy, though. That's what I find the, fascinating. The imagery. You, well, not the imagery. Just people live their lives mm-hmm. for this band yeah for sure so um i think they're called juggalos and juggalettes if i'm not mistaken correct yeah Yeah. and you know i know those people take a bad rap and i'm not going to be they're people that love each other and have fun and enjoy something in life and to me that's a beautiful thing Mm -hmm. see that's it's weird because in my high school at that time i don't know if icp was like huge at that point yeah i would i've never been into them but they were banned in my middle school because it became like a gang. Yeah, same thing. Well, they they were labeled a gang, which I think is complete crap. Look, I mean, there was a we, Dateline NBC thing that came oh, out. Yeah, gang. Look, yeah, calling them a gang. I know, I know, plenty of people who are what you would call juggalos, juggalos. and juggalettes, and they're fantastic people. They got different. They're they're nice people. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure they don't take a lot of shit, and they shouldn't, because mm-hmm. look at the shit they're dealt with all the time. Because because they like a band, and and they worship a band. And I'm sure Kiss fans took that kind of shit in the '70s too. Oh, right? yeah. Um, they're beautiful people. I got no problem with them. They're great. Not my thing, though. Mm-hmm. Fine. So fast forward 300 years later, and I come across, I, I'm just kind of inventorying everything here in my domicile. And I come across this pile, you know, which have been kept in clean basements for all these years. They haven't been abused. Because even the stuff that I own that I don't like, I still take care of it. It's one thing I it's I guess it's a weird maybe OCD thing I have. I have a lot of music that I don't like or really listen to that much, but I still take care of it. No, I don't think that's weird because I, I'm I'm more of a movie collector than a music collector. But, yeah. So there's a movie called Slaughter Drive, and I to us that's like the standard of the worst movie we've ever seen. And I own it, and I refuse to get rid of it. I always want to have it just to say, "Yeah, I have it." Here is the physical copy of the worst movie ever created. That's I guess. I guess bad. my thing. Oh, it's it's <laughs> an hour and forty two minutes of just pain. Like it's worse than like you know. It sounds like a horror movie, so it's worse than like Birdemic, or it's worse than like oh. Troll Two, or something oh, like God. that. Oh, God. oh Troll yeah. Two. Man. Yeah, really. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm gonna need to see this. So uh, <laughs> I think you say I think, that. I guess the idea for me is just you know. Yeah, it may not be my thing. I try to take a very liberal view on these things now where it's like, or just, I don't know what you want to call it. Yeah, a liberal view. Um, where it's just, it's not my thing. However, I do like the fact that somebody put time into this. Yeah. It's something they were passionate about. It may not be something that I'm passionate about. You respect the art. Yeah, respect right? the art, right? Yeah. So I've, I've had this stuff for, for many years, all these ICP cassettes and stuff like that. And... I'm like, this may this may come to a crashing halt with what I'm about to say here, but I'm like, well, wonder what this stuff's worth. <laughs> and come to find out, I mean, a couple of these pieces they're worth, you know, they they're worth a few dollars. Yeah. And I, you know, and I've been kind of I put this stuff up on Discogs, and I've been kind of out there just circulating it. And yeah, I've gotten a few dollars for this stuff. It's it's it, it it's brought a pretty sizable bounty for a couple of these things, and. Uh, the thing that's beautiful, though, is I've actually met some really cool people, like people like literally like a guy's email address who I talked to. He's like, you know, Juggalo Museum at gmail.com. Juggalo this dude Museum. just collects 
ICP stuff. That's awesome. I met a guy who who collects nothing but Esham stuff, which Esham's another Detroit rapper. Yeah. I had a couple of those things. Esham this and guy, This guy had the same... Esham put, a, put an album out years ago called Kill the Fetus. And this guy... It's metal, dude. He, I sold him a cassette. Uh, this cassette version, which was like a first-pressing red foil cassette. And he's like, yeah, I got 12 of these. But I just keep buying them because I, I just love Esham stuff. Mm-hmm. So I just keep buying it. And I just think that's fascinating. So what that leads us to here, because actually our guest did get back with me. Okay, cool. We got the numbers straightened out here. Um, I just, I get, you get offers on Discogs. And I mean, yeah, this is going to be quite a number. I'm, I'm going to throw people here. But one of these CDs that I have, it actually fetches for more than this. But I have it for $100. It's actually worth a lot more than that. Okay. But I just want to, I mean, somebody wants How it. How much is it worth? Um, I've seen it for $180 in oh, some wow. places, right? This particular CD. And I'm like, well, you know what? 100 bucks, it'll move. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and somebody will get it that really wants it, and that's cool. And I mean, I, I pay that much for stuff. I know how it is. Yeah. I, I go out there and I go in the jungle and I do the same thing. So I know. This guy offers me $40. Now, curious, <laughs> was that 180 new or used? Used. Wow. Wow. That's a lot. But it's got to be. It's got to be in good condition. It can't be like coffee stained or anything like that. It's oh, got to be in really good condition. I've seen all your stuff. I'm it's got to sure be clean, right? Mm-hmm. This guy offered me forty dollars for this thing, which is kind of insulting to a certain degree. If he'd offered me eighty dollars, I may have been like, "Well, you know, let's let's just get rid of this thing." So, in closing of this segment, I'm going to hit the big fat red decline button on this thing here. Oh no, dude, do it for the art. Do it for the art, bro. Decline with an LOL. Decline with a <laughs> done. Done. 